Mac Power Users, episode 377, Audio Media Management. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd? I'm great, David. How are you? Good. Uh, we thought today we'd take a moment to talk about audio media management. and Just a moment, though. Yeah, just a moment. An yeah. hour and a half or so. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we, we've covered iTunes in the past, but everything has changed so much in the last couple of years with cloud services and streaming music and the way people listen to podcasts. So we thought, you know, we had all these kind of audio related topics we've been looking at and we thought we'd just kind of try and put them all into a show so today we're going to talk about how you manage your music and and some of our thoughts about the cloud streaming services by the way our users have a lot of opinions about cloud streaming and i'll talk about that later just just a few opinions yeah and we're going to talk a little bit about managing podcasts and also just generally playing audio and the the ways you can do it uh with some of these fancy new technology out there so uh, we've got a full uh, outline we should probably just get started on it yeah. So media management has changed quite a bit for some of us, not so much for those of us who are living in the dark ages, apparently. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, you know, I will tell you for uh, kind of part of part of the show, I was feeling a little bit left out because ad- admittedly, um, I still kind of feel like I'm living in the early 2000s. My ma- media management workflows a little bit have have not really changed all that much since the days of the iPad you know, or excuse me the days of the iPod i um all of my media is in iTunes but i am now just syncing them with a wire i i've completely gone away from the uh music streaming services yeah i remember when uh, there's a great and i'll have to see if i can find it but there was a, a speech steve jobs gave around the time of the iMac and when the iPod was first getting its legs, where he talked about the Mac as the digital hub of your life. Do you remember that? It still is. Yeah. And so, so the idea was you put your photos, your videos, your music on your Mac, and then your, your iPod and other devices plug into your Mac. It's the hub of all your data. And over the years that has transitioned where the Mac is no longer a hub, but it's a client and the cloud is your hub. You know, the idea now is you're putting all this stuff up in the cloud and, and people don't want to be plugging, or a lot of people at least don't want to be plugging copper wires into their Mac and syncing their iTunes library over to their phones. Um, but, but you're doing that, Katie. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it for a couple of reasons. You want me to get into that now or do you just want to talk about the other options? Well, let's let's talk about what you're doing. So I I will I tried the cloud services. Uh, we talked a, about a couple of years ago now about how I tried Apple Music and just wasn't all that into it. Um, and and one of the things we talked about is music is a huge part of your life and it's a huge part of your family's life. And um, and and I respect that. And um, it's just although I have music and I like music and I enjoy music. Um. It is not as big of a part of my life as I think it is for other people. I have, you know, about 2,000 songs or 2,500 songs in iTunes, which is, I think is, I always thought was a lot, but I think is a fairly small amount compared to what a lot of people have. Uh, And I tend to like to listen to the same songs. I have my songs. I like them. I probably add less than somewhere between 25 and 30 songs to my iTunes library a year. Um, so, you know, so I'm not spending a lot of money on, on songs. I hear a song, it gets popular. I listen to it. I, 
I'll add it. But I, I'm not discovering a lot of songs. I'm not adding a lot of songs. I'm not doing a lot with music. It's just not that big a part of my life. So there's, there's that. And so the I, Apple Music subscription just never made a lot of sense to me. And so for 30 bucks a year, you're getting all your new music. Yeah. You know, I buy the iTunes gift cards when they go on sale. You know, you can typically find them. The best I found them is about uh, 20% off, but you can easily usually find them about 15% off. And, you know, when you when you do that, it's like getting 15 to 20% off all of your music purchases. And and there you go. So I, I do that. And then I subscribe to iTunes Match and I subscribe to iTunes Match on again and off again. Um, I, I have just found that it has been really wonky in terms of, does it work? When does it work? Where is my music? Why is my music not on my phone when I expect it to be on my phone? You know, I've just run into, um, a handful of problems with, um, things not being where I expect them to be when I expect them to be. And I found that let's put a pen, let's put a pen in that because iTunes music we're going to talk about in a minute. But I just want to talk about the what I'll call the Katie Floyd scenario, right? Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of people that aren't super into music, and that's okay. In fact, a lot of them listen to podcasts, which you know help me put my kids through college. So I'm all for that. Um, but the but the idea of of having a small library, not being super into getting new music, um, I think that Katie has got the right answer for that. If you're somebody who doesn't listen to a lot of music maybe you listen to audiobooks instead or podcasts and you're not particularly into any any kind of music the the old mac as a digital hub strategy makes a lot of sense um the streaming services we're going to all talk about uh in a few minutes uh, are probably around ten dollars a month no matter which one you're doing so that that's then you're spending 120 dollars a year on music and if it's not that important to you why would you do that when katie can buy the 30 new songs she likes for 30 bucks um so I don't think, first of all, you should feel bad at all. I mean, that's that's just who you are, and that's okay. And there's a lot of people that feel the same. I spend plenty of money on lots of other things. Don't worry. Yeah, that's okay. I, I feel like we all choose our poisons, right? I mean, I don't try to judge people when they spend money on silly things because I have an R2-D2 doll on my desk. So I have no grounds to complain. Don't you have a life-size R2-D2 doll? No. No, okay. I haven't gone that far down the rabbit hole. But maybe someday. I was at the convention, and I was looking at the guys that built their own. And I said, boy, if I had time, if only I had time, it's an Arduino board. It's some, you know, it's, 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 it's tech that I could do for sure. Uh, but you, you have diverted me again, Katie. We digress. All right, go ahead. Uh, but anyway, I, I think if that's the case, uh, the solution for audio media management in terms of your music is the one that Katie's using, uh, don't go with a streaming service if that's what you have. If you don't, if you have what you like and you're not super into learning about new music, um, the answer is probably iTunes. Um, it, you know, comes built in and it's, it's definitely the whipping boy on the Mac. It's one of the easiest apps to make fun of every couple of years they redesign it. And it seems like it gets a little worse every time (laughs) the latest one, they've got the thing where you have to click on a box to choose what type of media you're dealing with, whether it's music or movies or whatever. And the app completely changes. But I know tons of people that never realize that box is there and they, they get completely lost in the application. And it's almost a mission impossible for the Apple gang because they've put so much into iTunes that, it is like the Microsoft word of music management. And we keep thinking that maybe one day they're going to pull all that stuff out again, but we'll see. 
well, on on the iOS devices, they've split it out. You know, there's a music app, there's there's a podcast app. They've got different apps for a lot of the stuff that um, that they do all in iTunes on the Mac. But I, I don't know. It, it, part of me always felt like they were going to fix that, and then part of me starting to feel like we're all go- so many of us. I'm not say all of us because Katie's like one of the exceptions are going to the cloud that maybe it's just going to become obsolete by virtue of progressing technology. But, but either way, uh, it is a solution that works. You can, especially if you've got a smaller library like Katie's, uh, you can save all your data to your Mac. Uh, iTunes does have music management tools. Um, we've done entire shows on the application in the past. Um, and it works. Um, if you don't have any cloud uh, solution, we're going to talk about iTunes match in just a second here. Um, it's a, uh, it really is plugging the cable into the Mac and plugging it into your phone and, and transferring the stuff over via copper wire. That's a lot faster than doing it wirelessly in terms of data transfer. And it's, uh, you know, it's still a pretty solid solution. I keep waiting for the day when it doesn't work though, you know? Yeah. I don't think that's too far away. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I think that's far away. I think Apple will continues to understand there are people like you that still plug it in the old timey way and the, the I, I don't I, th- I can't imagine that that is some area of the code that is going to get a lot of changes or or get broken oh on on facebook agnes uh mac power users listener wrote in and said she likes to buy music not because uh she doesn't like streaming services but so much as she wants to make sure artists get get money for what they do and she feels like you know she read that you know they get pennies for every play or, or percentages of pennies for every play that someone does on a cloud streaming service where they make better money when people buy their music outright. So that's her way of helping to support the artists. I don't really know how the math works out on it. I've heard in the past that streaming generally isn't very generous towards artists, um, but it is definitely the way things are going and uh, different companies uh, handle it better. I mean, famously when Apple was getting ready to l- release Apple Music, they had a free trial period and during the free trial period, they weren't going to pay the artists for any plays of their music during the free trial period. And Taylor Swift wrote a public letter saying that's nonsense and Apple pivoted. I mean, it rarely do they do this, but they're like, okay, we'll pay them. <laughs> you know, so um, hopefully there's a, uh, a bit of public pressure on these companies to, to cut interfere relationships with the artists. Another piece of it, too, is not just paying the artists, although that is extremely important, but the idea of owning versus kind of renting your music. Now, I understand, let's be clear, that anytime you, quote unquote, own a digital asset, you are really just licensing the the rights to use that digital asset. And that it is extremely likely that um, that asset will go away at some point. I, I get that. I hear you. I understand that. But I like the idea of the fact that I have my music. It's on my computer. I can back it up to a hard drive. It's DRM free. I know where it is. I can put it on multiple devices. I can uh, do other things with it. You know, I know where it is. I can move it around and save it and back it up and all those other things. Whereas if I subscribe to a streaming music service, the minute that I stop paying for that streaming music service, all of that music is gone. And if I ever want it again, I have to go rebuy it or resubscribe to a streaming music service. So it, it has some degree of lock-in because, um, you know, think about if you stopped subscribing to iTunes or to uh, Apple Music, the, the music that you would lose access to. 
Well, not only the music, the metadata and the playlist that I've created. And, you know, there is a lock-in because as you start using these services, you start using their playlist features. And the idea of losing all my Apple Music playlists hurts me almost as much as the idea of losing the music. I mean, you always, I I had depression-era parents, so in my head, I have this neuroses where I always think, well, what if things go terribly wrong? What happens next? That's why it took me 22 years to, to quit my job. Um, but the, uh, in the back of my head, when I sign up for Apple music, I'm like, well, what if things go terribly, terribly wrong in my life? Well, I do have the, the music I purchased before, and there's some really great miles in there and I could be 87 years old and I can still listen to that. So that, that I'm okay with that. And, and now I'm paying my $15 a month and you're right. It is a rental. If I ever stop paying that money, if I get to a point where I can't afford it, then I'm going to lose a, lose out on a bunch, but we're, we're going to talk about streaming later. Um, uh, so let's talk a little bit about tweaks you can make to a traditional music management system. Well, let me just let me just ask you while we're right there. Do you buy music at all now? Do you no. buy some or just no? You just you rent it no. all from Apple Music. My, my kid, the strangely, my kids buy CDs still. I don't understand it. C- CDs like the plastic things. It makes me nuts because I'm paying for Apple Music, and I think just about everything they buy. Uh, we already have through Apple Music, but they're spending their money on it and they want to own the physical media. And um, I don't know. It's just, you know, they're they're growing up in a different age. I could, I, when we went from records that would melt to CDs, I was so happy. And when we went from CDs that I had to keep track of to digital, I was so happy. And my whole life I've been, I guess I'm a minimalist at heart. I just want to get rid of this stuff. And, and so they buy stuff, but I don't. I mean, uh, the only thing at time I will buy music now is if it's not available and I really want it, and if it's not available on Apple Music. Yeah, I I, I can understand buying the digital versions. I, I'm, I don't know. I, I guess I can understand buying the CDs because then you feel like you, you have it, you know, that you own it as opposed to or, or renting the digital rights to it until those digital rights go away, but... Well, I mean, I think the, uh, the idea they can rip it and there's something to be said for having the CD in your possession. It's the thing they own. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I, I ripped all of my CDs. I ripped them in the iTunes plus format and I, I still have them because I figured, you know, if, if anything ever happened, I need to prove one day that I own this music. Um, they're in one of those storage bins. Well, you think somebody's going to subpoena you? I don't know. <laughs> Katie Floyd. You know, prove I, you I, own, what is it? Who's your, who's your favorite artist these I days? I might want to be a judge one day. You never know. Um, but um, so un, under my bed in my guest show, ge- show me proof of this Steely Dan album. Yeah. Under my bed in my guest bedroom, I have one of those, you know, Tupperware under the bed Tupperware containers where I just have all of the all of the plastic discs. And they're I just, recycled them all. I remember, you know, I just moved. And when I moved, I, I saw them like for the first time in years. And I'm like, huh, I forgot I had those. All right. In the garage somewhere, I have a spindle with all the CDs on them, like a couple spindles. Um, but the 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 jewel cases, the, those got recycled years ago. Oh, that makes sense. My youngest daughter buys records. She has a record player, and she buys records, which makes me it makes me even crazier than when they buy CDs. Well, that's that's kind of like she's buying fine artisanal records, right? I don't know. I never say on the show when we we got it for her. She she wanted it. I actually was fighting her on it. I'm like, really? You want a record? I remember everything was wrong with records. So Christmas morning, she gets this new record player. Uh, she puts on her first record. She plays the first song, and then she says, "How do you make it repeat?" 
you go over, you pick up the arm, (laughs) and you set it back down again. But we digress again. All right. So, but let's just talk a little bit about managing music. Um, if you're using the Katie Floyd system, your traditional music management, there are some tools now. Um, iTunes Match is one of them. Uh, you pay $25 a year to Apple. And the way it works is Apple looks at your library. It uploads a copy of all of your music to the cloud. And the $25, I guess, partly goes to licensing, partly goes to maintenance of these servers. Storage, all those things, yeah. You can wirelessly access your music. So you don't need the copper cable then. So if you're at the airport and you want to listen to whatever album that you bought and ripped and uploaded recently, uh, you can get it on your device without having to plug in. And and that was great. I subscribed to iTunes Match for a long time. And it used to be iTunes Match only existed and then it kind of got subsumed by Apple Music, but not entirely. I mean, there's, there's well, I, I still really... feel like it scratches a different itch. I mean, it's a totally different thing. Well, it's, a mean, to- it... it's a totally different product if you're only going to subscribe to iTunes Match. But I'm not sure there's a tremendous reason to subscribe to Apple Music and iTunes Match at this point. Yeah, I canceled my iTunes Match subscription once I figured out that Apple Music's going to work for me. Right. Um, there, there are a few... Well, I was going to say there are a few issues with it, but you you may not be done describing it yet. No, no, I think that's it. I mean, at Apple, you pay twenty five bucks and it goes in the cloud. Yeah. How stable is it for you? Um. Or I guess you're not currently using. I'm it. not. Well, I'm not currently using it because I found that it was a little wonky, and so like anything, iTunes Match tends to go through growing pains, and I'm I'm not quite sure why. But you know, I found that it probably matched. And, and I don't, I will say, I do not have really eclectic music taste. I, I've got pretty plain vanilla music taste. And I found that it probably matched almost 90%, you know, maybe 85 plus percent of my music. And then, you know, stuff that there was no reason for it not to match, it didn't match. Like I had a Beatles record where it matched like seven of the 10 tracks, but not the other two. And I'm like, really? Well, okay, whatever. Um, you know, stuff that I knew was in iTunes. So there there were just always these weird inconsistencies with iTunes Match. Um, I'm not sure that I ever ran into this, but um, other people reported problems um, where if, if you used iTunes Match and you deleted the music on your Mac and you didn't have a separate backup and you re-downloaded it from iTunes Match, you wouldn't necessarily always get the same file or the same version that you uploaded because there are different versions of different songs. Sometimes they're live versions. Sometimes there are versions that may be explicit. Sometimes there are versions that have been bleeped out. Sometimes there are you know, clean versions, you know, all, all of those types of things that are going on. So if you had a specific original version of, an, of a song or an extended version of a song and you uploaded it to iTunes Match and then got rid of your copy, the, the copy that you downloaded may not necessarily be a perfect match. And so there was a, a lot of people that were upset if they didn't necessarily get the, the exact match back. And and I, I get that because this is the music that you had and this is what you're you're used to hearing. And then all of a sudden you download it and listen to it again and it's, it's not the music that you were used to. Um, and then I had some wonky problems and whether this was attributable to iTunes Match, whether it was attributable to I, I, I still have problems with um, iOS 10 syncing. I, I still, for example, cannot get my my email to push on certain email accounts. I always have to go and refresh it. I, I, so I don't know whether it's an iPhone issue, whether it's an iOS issue, what what's going on with it. But I still had problems where, you know, there 
plenty of space on the device. There is no reason that the music shouldn't be syncing and shouldn't be matching. And I would get out because um, I had it set not to sync on, on LTE where it would only sync over Wi-Fi. I would get out somewhere and I didn't have a song or I didn't have um, certain songs um, on certain playlists. And there was no reason for me not to have that music, but it was still gone nonetheless. And, you know, I was just frustrated that, you know, I'm, 25 bucks a year is a fairly insignificant amount to pay for this service. But for the little music that I have and the little bit amount of management that I do, I'm just going to plug it in every now and then. Yeah, you, you. but you don't need to plug it in. You can also wirelessly sync to your device, and that's a setting in iTunes. Right. Um, so the, I don't want to, you know, it, there's a lot of people out there listening that are probably doing what you're doing, but they aren't plugging in because they're wirelessly Wi-Fi syncing. Wi-Fi sync does require a few things. Number one, it requires that iTunes be open. So it doesn't just happen automatically. And I believe it requires that the device be plugged into power. But I mean, that that, that allows you to avoid the copper wire. So yeah. that'll work. Well, you have to be plugged into a copper wire, but not necessarily the one plugged into the computer. And iTunes has to be open in the background. Yes. Um, I used uh, iTunes Match before Apple Music uh, to a large extent with very little problem. And I had a lot of obscure jazz. So I was pretty happy with the way it works. And and I will probably resubscribe again at some point. It's kind of one of those things where I'm just taking a little break for a while. Another nice thing about it is if you had re- ripped your CD library at lower compression, which I had done with some of them when I first started ripping before, you know, the compression bit rates were going up and I had a bunch of stuff that I had originally ripped at a lower compression. Uh, iTunes Match, in, that, in essence, kind of cleansed your music. Uh, the version that you downloaded would always be the highest compression version, so or the highest quality version. Yeah, there was a there was a backdoor upgrade method. Yeah, so basically, if you had like an album that was at low compression, you could upgrade it to the higher compression, and you could even delete it from your library and re-download it on in iTunes and get the higher compression uh, rip on your Mac as well. So there, there was a lot to like about it. Uh, I have not. One of the questions I know we're going to be asked is, you know, what's how big a library can you put in iTunes? And there's a lot of people that really push the limits. I think. Uh, Kirk Mechelern, um, I, I think at some point had 100,000 something songs, just crazy stuff. And iTunes is a database app and it does break if you overload it. Uh, in the Facebook group, we heard from a couple listeners that swear by this app, Swinsian, S-W-I-N-S-I-A-N. I have not I have any personal experience with it, but a lot of people really love it for um, managing music on their Macs. So that's something else. If you're doing the uh, the old timey local management thing, and you have a lot of music, you may want to check that out. I want to thank our friends over at Smile for their continued sponsorship of the show. And you can learn more about the Smile family of products by heading over to smilesoftware.com slash MPU. This month, I want to talk a little bit about Text Expander. As you know, Text Expander is the indispensable app on the Mac for me that allows me to take small snippets of text and expand them into much, much more. And you know, Text Expander celebrated a big anniversary last month. April 5th was the first anniversary of Text Expander turning into a cloud-based service. And you know, it has been quite a journey for them. And I am happy to say that over a third of the Text Expander user base now uses the brand new Text Expander, and they are saving more time than ever. In fact, according to the folks at Smile, Text Expander saves their customers collective of tens of thousands of hours every month. 
And if you haven't jumped on the bandwagon to the new Text Expander 6 yet, there has never been a better time. Because in the last year, the Text Expander crew have been hard at work adding new features. And in the last year, they have added team statistics, group notes, public groups, monthly activity reports, a feature complete Windows app, and a whole lot more. And if you want to multiply your productivity while using Text Expander, you have got to start using Text Expander for teams. You can use it as a shared knowledge base from which your team communicates quickly and accurately. Using Text Expander for your team, you can have all of your common responses in one place. They can be worded by your best writers. They can be accessible and searchable through simple abbreviations in keyboard shortcuts. And of course, they're available on all the platforms that your team works on, whether it be Mac, iOS, Windows, or the web. In fact, you can learn more by head over to TextExpander.com and learn about how other teams are using Text Expander to enhance their productivity. And I just have to say, they've got some really fun stuff over there too, because it's not all about business with Text Expander. Have you checked out the Star Wars and Star Trek snippets? If not, you really should. So head on over to smilesoftware.com slash MPU and thanks Text Expander for your support of the show. All right, David. So assuming that I want to come out of the dark ages or, you know, you're sitting here in a fairly modern world. What, what is traditional or I'm sorry, what, what is modern music management look like? Well, I, I guess what I, I just want to talk about streaming uh, it, I, rather than use traditional or modern. It, it's the, the new idea is renting your music. You pay somebody X dollars a month and you get access to this massive library of music and you get to do things with it. And it depends on which service you get. There's different features and different libraries available. But but like you were saying, you're renting. You pay you pay X amount, and you've got access to this library, and you can play it on your phone, play it on your Mac, do whatever you want with this music. Um, the uh, I put a, um, a a request out on the Facebook group to the Mac Power users. Hey, what 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 services are you guys using? What do you like and dislike? And just let me say, you guys are awesome. We had over 160 comments on this post. None of them were like spammy, you know, arguments. They were all just really, you know, great criticism and great uh, merits of different services. And it gave me a really good snapshot about what MacPow users, listeners are using for their streaming services. And uh, I can tell you that by, by far, the two most popular options are Spotify and Apple Music. And so we're going to spend most of our time talking about those two services because I think those are the two big ones to choose from. And they definitely have different uh, pluses and minuses associated with them. Uh, and since, uh, you know, Apple Music is Apple's thing, I thought we'd probably start with that one. Makes sense. Yeah. So Apple Music, I started using from the very beginning. Uh, I was never a streaming music person. I, I love music and I have a lot of it. And I come from a family that has very diverse music tastes. So we all have lots of big libraries. If you looked at our library, it would be very confusing, you know, because, you know, I have a bunch of jazz and I have a bunch of impressionist classical and I have a bunch of, you know, I, I like the buzzcocks and all the stuff that was popular when I was growing up. And then, then my wife has a different taste and my kids have different tastes. So it was a crazy library, but it was large and it was managed, you know, through the max. Uh, and I just felt like I was good enough with that. And Spotify didn't get really started too much further before Apple music really took off. And once Apple had a service, I said, well, I'll just go with the Apple one because I have all this Apple stuff. And one of the things Apple did, I think was super smart when they released Apple music is they, they had a family plan. So we pay $15 a month in the Sparks family. There's four of us. 
So I'm paying $3.75 per person to have access to the Apple Music Library, which to me is the best $3.75 I spend every month. It's like, unquestionably, I get value out of that. Um, I we used, to, we used to buy a lot of music, and we still, we don't anymore, except for my kids' occasional CD. And I'm downloading more music than ever. I mean, just the idea of it. And, and I love... I love a lot of music, but I really love like the 1950s kind of bebop era and cool era jazz. And there is so many albums that were are so obscure in that genre of music. I mean, these guys would go into a studio in an afternoon and record an album and it would get released and maybe very few people would ever listen to it, but it, it, it was in the archive somewhere. And as these streaming services started to open up, they just started dumping all of these these great jazz albums that I'd never heard of before into the streaming service. And I love it. I have found so much new music and I, there's no way I could afford to buy as much as I'm downloading. I mean, I just the other day I went on a binge uh, with, uh, with a jazz artist that I wrote, that I, I discovered and, uh, and I probably downloaded 200 songs. I mean, there's no way I would have spent $200 buying his music but it was like so easy for me to do it. <laughs> so uh, I am definitely in the demographic of people who like streaming services. Now, do you listen to all of this music that you download? Oh yeah, I do. It's always playing. It's always playing when I'm driving, when I'm working, if I'm working on something, the nice thing about jazz music is a lot of it doesn't have words. So you can play it in the background while you're working. Uh, I Music with words is very hard for me to work with music with, with words on. I, I know there's different, people that can do that but i'm not one of them um so i i i listen to it and then my kids are doing the same thing and they're discovering new artists and we share with each, each other uh I, one of the reasons i love apple music is because i didn't know it but i love streaming music you know i just love the idea of having these massive libraries that i can get into and i think whichever service i had started with whether it had been spotify or apple music or one of the other options that we'll talk about later, it would have a warm place in my heart because it really opens up the world of music in a way that I, I couldn't before when I had to pay a buck 29 per song. Yeah, no, I think for you, it makes great sense. And I think for people who are in similar situations, and especially the family pack. Yeah, so, so Apple, uh, they have the $15 family pack, which makes a lot of sense if you've got a family. If you're on your own, it's $10. If you're a student, they have a discount. Last time I checked, I wasn't able to verify it before we started recording, but it was $4.99 for students. So um, that's what you're looking at getting into. Um, the family plan, obviously, is the best value by far. Yeah, it's, it's $4.99. It's a 50% discount. Okay, good. Um, the, so the other things I like about Apple Music, it's made by Apple, so it's built into the entire operating system. And one of the best advantages of this is Siri. Uh, Siri integration with Apple Music is just golden. I can be driving down the road and I can um, say, you know, the magic words, you know, hey, you know who, uh, play Miles Davis, and it just plays Miles Davis for me. Or, you know, play the latest, you know, Joshua Redman album and it plays the latest Joshua Redman album. Um, it truly is like living in the future and it gives you the ability to play music while you're driving down the road without even looking at a screen and, uh, and no other service can do that. So that, that is one of the killer features. And if you read the Facebook thread, there are a lot of people listening to the show that subscribe to Apple music for the sole reason that it has Siri integration. Uh, I was talking to, um, um, Ben Thompson, he's been a guest on our show, the guy who writes Stratechery, and he was telling me, 
he keeps he likes Spotify, but he keeps a Apple Music subscription anyway because his kids are just amazed that when he's driving them in the car, he can just ask his phone to play music and it plays music. And they they think it's like a magic trick that their dad can do, you know, and um, it, it does feel like a magic trick. I really love that. And I don't just do that uh, while I'm driving down the road. I also do it while I'm sitting at my desk or uh, when I'm, you know, taking a walk or whatever. I use Siri to access music at least once a day. And that is a, a wonderful feature that you only get with Apple Music. Now, is that going to be only with Apple Music forever? Uh, I would guess, if I was a betting man, that at WWDC in June of this year, that Apple is going to open up the audio um, playback features to third-party applications. I sure hope they do. Well, but that's a huge advantage. I mean, you just said that's a huge advantage to Apple Music. I mean, I think they may open it to some, but why would Apple want to give that to Spotify or Pandora or any of those? Well, I mean, it, it's the whole, um, you know, internal struggle. Like you want the platform to be as good as it possibly can be. And that means compete, allowing people to compete with Apple Music. And what about the podcast apps we're going to talk about later today? Wouldn't you love to be able to hold down the button? I absolutely would. And I think Apple's much more likely to you know, have overcast. Yeah, I think Apple's much more likely to do it to podcasts because Apple doesn't lose anything by doing that. Well, it just seems to me if they're going to do it for any kind of audio, they should do it for all audio. I, I agree. And I'm a fan. If I was in charge, I would say open it up, you know, let Spotify, let these other people use it, too. And let's win and win the marketplace, you know, make it good. You know, the $15 a month thing really got me in it. I guess maybe I'm cheap, but the uh, the idea of, you know, it only cost me this much money. And now that my kids and my wife are used to the Apple Music interface and how it works in the playlist, I couldn't move them to Spotify. I mean, they, they've got a system that works for them. They aren't all that excited about changing it up every couple months like I would be. Um, another thing I really like about Apple Music is it integrates really well with the Apple TV. And I've got, um, my Sonos attached to my Apple TV. So every time we have a party in the house, uh, quite often I will play uh, Apple TV music. Uh, I'm sorry, I will play Apple music music through the Apple TV and it, it gets the cover art on the screen of whoever we're playing or we can put like, you know, the artwork app and it shows this famous artwork while it's playing the music that we've selected. And it's a really nice vibe for the house when you've got people over. Um. Uh, another advantage of Apple Music is that it integrates with your ripped music. This is the only service that does that. So I'm one of those oddballs that has this massive ripped library. And I am, and at the same time, I have an Apple Music subscription. So I've got music that I've paid for and ripped. And I've got the same time music that I have rented from Apple Music, but added to my library because I liked it. And this was a huge mess for Apple when they first started. In, in a lot of ways, I feel like they almost bit off more than they could chew trying to manage these two very different kinds of music in the same apps and sometimes the same playlists. Uh, that got them in a lot of trouble, I think, when they first started. But m this is more or less worked out. I haven't heard many horror stories about it lately. Um, I don't know. Do you think it was a good idea, Katie? Should they have kept it together? Or should they have split it up from the beginning? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where you don't think about it and then you add one more and then you add one more. And then, I, I mean, I, I think at the beginning you wouldn't have thought it would have been a big deal, but now it's just gotten a little out of hand. Well, I think, it, I think it's always been a big deal trying to make those two things work. It is really, uh, it's walking and chewing gum to a large, <laughs> uh, to exponential difficulty. The, um, 
uh, one thing I do notice, though, is with uh, some of my family members, uh, even though we have this ability to mix the prior albums, like my daughter, when we set up her computer, we didn't do the usual thing where I had the hard drive with all the ripped music on it that you copy into iTunes. We just didn't even bother with that. We just enabled the Apple Music account and whatever music it was that she wanted, even stuff we had already purchased, she just downloaded through Apple Music. And um, and I think that is not uncommon. I think a lot of people who are doing Apple Music as they move forward are slowly kind of pulling away from their ripped music. And if that's you, uh, please make sure you've backed up your purchased and ripped music and saved it somewhere. Because when you're not dealing with it on a daily basis, it's easy to kind of slip from your mind what's happened to it. Um, it it's very important that you add that to your backup regime, that you get it into storage somehow and have multiple copies, because someday you may really want that music back. And and it's gone. I mean, you need to be careful. It could be overwritten. It could be overwritten, like we said, with kind of different versions. I think before you start overwriting a lot of stuff, you need to make sure you have a good backup and just archive it somewhere. Just stick it somewhere and be done with it. Yeah, like I saved a copy to the to the family, um, you know, Drobo, and I've got a copy on. I've got I've I've got it in multiple places, so I can always get it back. But uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't use, you know, my, and we're going to talk about my workflow in a minute, but my workflow is heavily dependent on streaming now to the extent that I don't do a lot of the things I used to do with, with locally managed music. Um, one of the big things about, you know, these streaming services, and a lot of people ask these questions is which one has the best selection? You know, I mean, I, you know, I don't care if it's $15 or $20. I want the one that's got the greatest music. And the problem with that is there's a lot of different kinds of music and there's not a clear winner um, across the board. It's not like one service has 25% more than the other service. I think they they all negotiate these deals with the various music catalogs and some of them do a better job and some of them do a worse job. And even just like looking through the internet, trying to find a definitive answer to the question, uh, I was unable to do so. And I, I did not, you know, as much as I love Mac Power users, I did not... Um, spend, you know, six months cataloging and comparing and indexing every both libraries. But what I can tell you is that with Apple Music, I'm finding way more than I even knew existed in music libraries that I felt like I knew a lot about. Like I'm a, I'm a huge Miles Davis fan. I'm a huge Dexter Gordon fan. I thought I knew of every album they'd ever made. And since I signed up for Apple Music, I've discovered multiple albums that I didn't know they made. So um, that's that's a good sign. Uh, on Facebook, our, um, our listener, Jung Soo reports that, that, and I'm not sure Jung Soo, I'm sorry. I don't know if you're a he or a she, uh, but Jung Soo spent a bunch of time comparing both, uh, Apple music and Spotify looking for the best classical library, uh, cause Jung Soo wanted the best classical library and ultimately decided that Apple music had the best one, but that's one person, you know, this is all you know, just, I just don't think there's a, a cure, uh, a clear answer, but I also feel like, um, with either Apple music or Spotify, you're going to be fine. Whichever one you pick, you're going to have access to a lot of music. They certainly don't make it easy for you to compare the services. In fact, I, I, it would be really nice if there was like a, a website that you could go to that can say, is this on Apple music? Is this on Spotify or, or how many types of songs in these types of genres do I mean, I realize it changes day to day and probably hour to hour, but no, no statistics that I know of are, are made public about what types of catalogs these um, different services have. I think they keep those numbers pretty close to the vest other than maybe making, you know, broad ranging numbers. 
the, the, my takeaway from all of this, though, is that both of these services and some of the others we'll mention later have very good libraries. And whatever kind of music you like, I think you're going to be fine with either one. One of the things that they, they talk about with Apple Music is the idea of curated playlists. Now, before Apple Music, most of these services had algorithm-based playlists where they'd say, well, if you like kind of blue, you're also going to like, you know, this other album or this other song. And the computer would look at and analyze different types of music and it would study what you're listening to and try and find recommendations for you algorith algorithmically. Um, with with um, Apple Music, which is based on Beats Music is what they bought to create Apple Music out of, they famously started with the idea of we're going to get some people who are really smart in these various genres of music, whether it's jazz, classical, rock, hip-hop, whatever, and they're going to pick playlists for you based on their knowledge of the artists and the music. Uh, so there's there's individual people that are putting these playlists together, and that's a distinct distinguishing feature. Uh, a lot of the listeners, some of them love it, some of them hate it. I think it's great uh, for the kinds of music I listen to. I find quite often interesting um, music selections put together. Uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about jazz, but I also like Hawaiian music because, you know, I just love Hawaii. So uh, recently I was looking in the Apple Music Hawaiian playlist and the, the young woman who sings in that new movie, Moana, she's got this beautiful voice and she's from Hawaii and she put together a playlist of her favorite Hawaiian music. I'm like, oh, I want to listen to that. So I listened to it and I found a couple artists that I didn't know existed that she liked. And now I've got many of their albums into my library. So it's just this constant refresh. I really like the idea of humans picking out these playlists for me. So uh, I think you need to try it and see if it works for you. Some people hate it. Like I said, some people love it, but I think it's great. And, um, and they're always adding to it. Like I just looked the other day for cool jazz. They had cool jazz for studying, cool jazz for burning. They had all these different libraries related to cool jazz. And depending on your mood, and it's a really great way to get some real quality music onto your device without spending a lot of time. Um, uh, discovery is another issue, and I think uh, from all the feedback we're getting from the listeners, I think Discovery is where Spotify really wins, and we'll talk about that later, but it seems to me like they, they do a better job. And uh, that being said, I still do a lot of music discovery in Apple Music by going to these curated playlists and I let them play in the background, but you know how your your ears are like radar and suddenly you hear something you really like and you, you'll hear a piano riff that you really like. You're like, wait a second, that was amazing. And you stop and you, you find out who the piano player was on the album and then you go find their albums and you can get them because you're paying a subscription service. Um, I don't know. Can you tell I really like subscriptions? I, I can okay. tell. I can tell. <laughs> That's why I wanted to do this show. I wanted to talk about it. Um, the, uh, you know, we've got, Listeners reporting on the Facebook group that, you know, Apple Music's better than it was when it launched. That's true. Um, another advantage of Apple Music is Apple has done a better job internationally of putting it out there. We had a listener in Slovenia and another one in Nigeria who said, Apple Music's my only choice because Spotify isn't in my country. And, you know, Apple's got such an international presence. I think they just in general do a better job of getting these cloud-based services distributed to countries that are that are not always the first country someone's going to go to to set this stuff up with. Right. But we should still mention that they're not everywhere and not everything is everywhere. They still, I mean, that's still a big problem is they still have to negotiate separate deals with the artists and with the record companies and, you know, based on region and those types of things. So th this stuff is not easy. 
kind of related to Apple Music, but not really is Apple Radio. I mean, they have Beats One and these Beats channels. I, I honestly don't listen to any of that stuff. Do you ever listen to that stuff? I don't. In fact, I wasn't even sure that I still had access to it if I'm not an Apple Music subscriber. I think you do. I, 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 should, I should know the answer to that question. But I, I haven't even bothered to check, honestly. I think I, I know I can listen to Beats 1. Uh, yeah, so I know I, I can. I can listen to Beats 1. But uh, honestly, I didn't care for it when I did listen to it, um, you know, during the free trial. So I just kind of stopped. Well, it just depends whether it's your kind of music or not. The, um, uh, for me, my age group is, are the people that grew up with all these these real constraints of terrestrial radio where you had to listen to commercials and records where they, they literally would melt on you and scratch and have all these problems. So I think people my age are so glad to be rid of all that stuff. And then there's the, the younger folk coming up that like the nostalgia of this stuff and they're bringing it back. So uh, I'm immediately turned off by radio, the idea of radio where I can't just play what I want next and um, I'm immediately turned off by, you know, physical media. And so that that stuff just, I'm not in the target demographic for that. Uh, there's plenty of gripes with Apple Music, though. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the discovery issue, I think, is not as easy as it is with Spotify based on everything we've heard. And I, I worked with Spotify a little bit this month, got a free trial account. I did not pay for an account, which I probably should have before I talked about it on the show. But yeah, I tried it. Um, and... And there's a couple other problems. Another issue I have with uh, Apple Music is it has a very twisted idea of what kind of music I like. And I think it's because of the fact that we have this family account where I have this um, this old iTunes account, which is kind of the... Um, the master. Yeah, this is this legacy account. So it still tries to throw Selena Gomez music at me and just weird music that even my kids don't listen to anymore but for some reason apple music still thinks i listen to it so i'll get like thelonious monk followed by madonna you know and it's just weird because (laughs) i don't listen to madonna um but i think that's just a a problem i have because of the fact that this account started out as a shared family account and i can never quite escape the uh you know the 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 problems with the data I've got. I wish someday I could just wipe it clean and just say look at these five albums and start from there but uh, I don't think I'll ever get there so so the recommendations are goofy for me but overall I really don't have many complaints about Apple Music I mean I love the Siri integration I love using it on the Apple TV and and I just love streaming services overall but let's talk about Spotify next this episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Pixelmator superior photo editing on the Mac, iPad, and iPhone. One of my favorite joys as a Mac Power user is getting emails from people assuming that I hired somebody to make something when in fact I did it on my Mac with some amazing software. One angle for that is the photos I put in my presentations and my books. So here's my dirty secret. I don't send this stuff out to people who are professional photo editors to fix for me. I do it all myself in Pixelmator. Pixelmator is a full-featured image editor made by a small independent software company. It's powerful, fast, and easy to use. It lets you enhance and touch up your photos. You can sketch on them, draw on them. You can even paint and add text and shapes to them. Best of all, you can apply effects to your photos and give them a professional look. For me, this application really scratches the itch. I don't want to get a photo editing suite that's going to require me to spend a week in classes to figure out how to do the most basic edits. I also don't do this enough to justify something that's super expensive or going to require me to pay a monthly subscription. 
Pixelmator really scratches that itch. It's affordably priced and super powerful. Whether you just want to take your color image and turn it into a stunning black and white photo, which I do all the time in Pixelmator, or you want to get more advanced and like use the move tool where you can take an element out of your picture and actually move it on the picture, Pixelmator has got you covered. Another tool I use all the time in Pixelmator is the selection tool. It is super advanced and anyone can cut an object out of the background now. So if you want to take your kid and put them on the moon, or take your dog and put them on a surfboard, you can make a really convincing show of it with Pixelmator. This ad spot really just scratches the surface. There's painting tools. You can retouch an image. You can have vector tools so you can create vector images. And there's also some really powerful type tools so you can create type and then transform it right within the application. And once you use Pixelmator, it's a great launching point. So I use Pixelmator, I make an image, then I send it over to Keynote for a presentation, or I send it over to iBooks Author for a book I'm working on. So why don't you upgrade your photo editing game today and head over to Pixelmator.com and check it out, and let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. So there's a big contingency of Spotify users. We certainly heard from big Spotify fans um, in the Mac Power Users Facebook group. Uh, I tried Spotify a couple of years ago. Um, you know, again, it was fine. I, I tried it back in the days before Apple Music. And, you know, as someone who was not particularly a music fan, I never really stick stuck for me. Um, I know Brett Terpstra is a huge Spotify fan. I guess we should all take a drink now. Yeah, he, he summed it up best. In his post, he wrote, Spotify, I can't quit you. Yeah. That was, And I thought that was a great way to just kind of summarize like 50 different posts in the Facebook group of people talking about how much they love Spotify. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are really in, in, in one camp, the Apple Music camp, the Spotify camp, and they, they have very strong feelings over it. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of it is whichever one you started with first. For I, Well, I, I think that's true for a lot of Apple music people. There's a lot of Apple music people like me who never really dug in deep on Spotify. So it never, you know, sunk with them and they didn't invest the time into it. Ernie uh, wrote in how he loves Spotify because he shares with his, you know, his playlist with his daughter and his friends. And once your, your social group is using the same service, it's really hard to escape that. My, my theory though, for the popularity of, of Spotify is that I think that, it's very similar. It's 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 a very Apple-like experience using Spotify. And so just bear with me for a minute. I, I think that, you know, they do a really good job of all the little things with their service, like the UI of the app. I mean, looking at them, I've been using it for the last several days. I think it's better than Apple's music's UI. I think they just do a better job of it. Um, the discovery stuff, they really nail. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The sharing stuff has way more features. So like... There's a lot of little things in there that like somebody obsessed on this. And as Apple users, we love products that were made by obsessive people. And um, I think that's where Spotify really rings true for a lot of people. And I, I expect that if I were to get serious about Spotify and just say, okay, I'm going to pay for it and use it, then I would ultimately end up probably liking it better and wanting to pay for it. But then I'd still probably stick with Apple music because getting my family to switch services is not something I can do. It's, it's, that's a bridge too far for me right now. Um, but, but I think that there's a lot of good arguments that Spotify is probably a superior service because it's the people who make it are more obsessive about it than the people who make Apple music. 
Now, one of the big draws for Spotify is the Discover Weekly. So, um, you know, every week you get a report of these are things that you might like. These are things that you should check out. And a lot of our listeners say it, it's, it is the way that they find new music and that it is just spot on. That's super impressive. Like what I do in Apple Music is they have like, they have a top list for jazz, top list for classical, top list for the various genres that I'm interested in. And I go through and listen to those, and I'll find an artist in there that I'd never heard of, and that sends me off, um, uh, off you know, on the road of discovery towards that person and whatever it is that they've done. Um, the uh, but I think Spotify does, uh, I guess I'd say more of a sniper or laser focused uh, version of that, where it truly, rather than just saying these are you know new popular jazz songs, these. They'll say these are songs based on what you listen to that we think you'll like. And maybe that's the algorithm paying off versus the individual recommendations you get with Apple Music. Uh, Another area where um, Spotify really tends to shine is sharing. Um, Spotify built is built on top of a sharing platform. Apple has tried the social platform thing before. Ping. Um, And not not so much. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, but but Spotify is built on sharing music, seeing what your 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 peers and your friends are listening to, um, what other people that in your peer group like, or things that you might like. Um, you know, every song has a has a share sheet, so you can add it to a playlist, you can add it to a queue, um, you can do those types of things. Um, it, it is a very social service if you want it to be, and you can be very social on Spotify as well. Yeah, just even just like the options available. I mean, Apple Music has sharing too, but. Spotify goes deeper down the stack and there's just a lot more you can do with it. And I, I don't want to say it's a more mature product at this point because Apple Music's been around long enough that that's no longer an excuse. Uh, they just need to take it more seriously and, and add more sharing features. And, and to wind back to the discovery thing for a bit, um, uh, listener Nick had a really kind of ingenious solution for the discovery issue because he likes Apple Music for I'm sure several of the reasons we talked about earlier, but he, he also agrees that Spotify does a better job of the discovery weekly and the, um, the recommendations. So there's an app called song shift that can pull music out of your Spotify library and add it to your Apple music library. So what Nick does is he bought the app song shift. He keeps that. And then he has a free account with Spotify, gets the recommendations and then sends them over to Apple music. So he gets the best of both worlds. He gets the Spotify recommendations along with Siri integration and the other things you get with Apple Music. Our listeners are so smart. They are. They really are. Another thing Spotify does is it allows you to send music directly to Sonos from the app. Now, uh, if you're a Sonos user with Apple Music, you cannot send uh, music from the Music app on the iPhone to your Sonos. Instead, you go to the Sonos app, and the Sonos app has integration with Apple Music. And the integration is really tight. So like any of your playlist show up, I, one of my best ways to do this is I, I will create a playlist in Apple Music or on my Mac, and then I'll just open the Sonos app and access that playlist, and I'm off to the races. Uh, but uh, Spotify takes that step out. You can drive music directly from their native app to Sonos, which is nice. Now, Sonos integrates with a couple of the different streaming services. I, w- I was surprised that doesn't Sonos also integrate? We'll talk about Sonos later, but it integrates with a few different ones as well, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, er- everybody who's willing to work with Sonos gets to work with Sonos. I mean, they want they want it to be as broad as possible. And, and Apple Music, it, it, I think it took several months after Apple Music was announced, but I mean, I'm sure it was a priority uh, for both companies to get that that tied in. 
because Beats Music integrated with it. I used it. I used uh, when I was a Beats subscriber. I guess I should have said that earlier. I was a subscriber to Beats Music long before rumors of Apple purchasing it because I just, I liked the um, individual um, recommended recommended lists. I, I like those curated lists. I think that's cool. And uh, as a jazz fan, whoever they've got doing their jazz curation, like knows their stuff in a big way. Uh, so uh, another big thing about Sonos is automation. And this is another one we heard from Brett on, you know, drink Brett. Uh, he pointed us to a website, playlistmachinery.com, which is a web-based service that you can do some really cool stuff to your playlists in Spotify based on algorithms and studies of music and the way music is played. Uh, I'm not, if you're a Spotify user, just go check out the link. We'll put it in the show notes. It's pretty awesome. We heard some negatives about um, uh, Spotify though. Uh, Rose on Facebook wrote that uh, she didn't like it because they don't have a student plan in Australia, which is, uh, that's no fun. Like I, I, I'm assuming Apple does, but I don't know. I haven't checked it. Let me know if I'm wrong. Uh, and she also found the ads very intrusive. Well, the ads only apply if you're not paying for it. I understand. Yeah. So, and I and mean, they want uh, the ads to be intrusive if you're not paying for it too. I'm sorry. They said they want the ads to be intrusive if you're not paying for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, listener Alok uh, wrote in that he didn't, he, he liked Spotify, except they don't allow you to apply filters on the family plan. So I'm assuming he wanted to you know, keep certain types of explicit music off the kids and uh, they didn't have that option. So he went back to Apple Music over that um uh, another listener wrote in saying that with spotify with a family plan all family members have to live in the same physical location where with apple apple music they don't care they're not as strict about that um uh, I, I don't know the details of the spotify family plan in terms of whether that's true or not but if it is and you want to use it with people outside the house that that could be a problem overall though i think we um Everybody who wrote about Spotify that uses it wrote about love. I mean, it seems like everybody likes it. You know, there's a few negatives that they had problems, but even those people wanted an excuse to use Spotify. So, so what do we recommend, Katie? I guess you're not, you're no, the wrong person to ask. There, there are more, but wait, there are more <laughs> services. Yeah, but these two are the big ones in my mind. I, I think you got to try them and find out. I, I don't know. I'm not going to use either of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk about a few of them more. Uh, Amazon Music. Amazon came up with some some plans now. Uh, and I think this is largely due to the success of the Echo, you know, because Amazon has this music library for twenty five dollars a year. You get the cloud service. I actually use Amazon Music. So that's that's the one. Oh, that you I, do. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about that. Well, tell us about it. So there, there are a couple of different tiers of, of Amazon Music. First off, we talked in our Amazon show. Remember, we did that whole show on the Amazon lifestyle. Yeah. That if you are an Amazon Prime member, which I think most people <laughs> are these days, um, that you can you are automatically a member of Prime Music, which means you have access to over two million songs um, on demand. And particularly if you're an Amazon Echo owner, it is very easy to just access and pull up and listen to these songs. So especially um, since I I purchased my Echo, and that's a whole other thing. I, I don't know about this new Echo that's come out. We'll we'll talk about that another day, another show. Um, 
I find it very easy. Wait, are you talking about the one that tells you if your clothes match or the one that shows you video? I'm not interested in the one that tells me if my clothes match. I, I'm the one that the one that shows you video. Um, but if, I, I don't need the, the one that tells me my clothes match. I already know they probably don't. There you go. Um, but the, um, the Amazon Echo will give you easy access to this. And you can just tell the Echo to, you know, play some soft rock, play country, play a you know, play music by this particular artist. Um, and it's great. I mean, just about anything that I want to listen to is available. And, you know, again, I don't have the most eclectic or the most, you know, interesting music taste, but it, it's 2 million songs for free and it's included with Prime. Um, and that is great. And Amazon has an... Uh, let me weigh in on that one because I we do have an echo in the kitchen and sometimes when I'm cooking, I will try and play music through it. And you can't find anything, right? It, it quite often it's hit and miss with me. Whereas where Apple Music will find anything, um, there's a big difference between those libraries. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are because because the base music, the base library is only two million songs. Now there there you can you can do a couple of things. You can step up, um, and they have a they have an Apple Music. I'm sorry, they have a match like service that for twenty five dollars a year you can upload all of your music to Amazon. And so this is actually something that I have considered doing in lieu of iTunes Match. So if you just want to be able to play your music, no matter what and where, um, and maybe it's not available in the 2 million songs that is available for free in Prime Music, for 25 bucks a year, you can upload as many, well, I think there is a limit, but your music to to Amazon and, and it will be available and, and you can play it across all of your devices and those things. But again, it's just playing back your music or more likely matching it with its library. Now, they do have a couple of, of pay plans. So their, um, their big one is the Amazon Music Unlimited. And they don't tell you how many, but they say instead of the 2 million songs, you get, quote, tens of millions of songs. Uh, across all of your devices. So it's available, assuming you're a Prime member, it's $7.99 a month or $79 a year, which they've notably undercut Apple Music there. Um, if you're not a Prime member, then it's it's comparable to Apple Music. It's, it's $9.99 a month. Um, if you only want to use it on the Amazon Echo, they have a discounted price of $3.99 a month, which I think is interesting. They're They're clearly trying to use that as a gateway. For, for people coming into the Amazon uh, Unlimited plan. And then, of course, they have a family plan um, for Prime members that's $14.99 a month or $150 a year. Uh, I, I can't speak much about their catalog. Um, I, I've heard that it's not nearly as um, as great a catalog as Apple Music. I mean, th this is a catch-up service, but it's basically, um, you know, it's a music service. Do you, do you want access to this music? Do you want to be able to play it? But I've used the, the Prime Music on my Echo quite a bit, you know, just for background music, if I have people over, if I just want something playing, if I... You know, I used it quite a bit at the holidays just to play holiday music instead of the the 10 Christmas songs that I have. Well, okay, I have more than that. The 20 or so Christmas songs that I have, you know, just starting a holiday playlist. See, that's the that's the slippery slope, Katie. You start to realize there's a lot of music out there that you could listen to. No, I didn't. I didn't say I liked it. You didn't like it? I just said I listened to it. Okay. All right. Um, Amazon. Uh, so Amazon's got their various services. And I think a lot of it hinges on the Echo product. If you're a big Echo user, that's something that we're at least consider. Uh, speaking for myself, I since I have Sonos, I don't use the Echo that to play music that often. When I do, it's in the kitchen. And I, I kind of know the songs that, that, that do turn up on Echo without me having to do anything magical. So it's okay. 
You can also pair your iPhone with an Echo, which is easy. Oh yeah, I do that. I do that all the time. So, uh, and then you can play your Apple Music through it, yeah. which is nice. Um, Google Play, you know, Apple's got. I'm sorry, Google has their own music streaming service. Almost nobody in our 160 plus posts in Facebook said they use Google Play, and I think it's just kind of we're Apple Mac power users, right? I mean, that's just not going to be a thing a lot of us do. Why would they? Yeah. Uh, but but a few people did write them and they like it. Um, uh, Lon wrote in that he didn't think the music library compared to Spotify and Apple. So I don't know if that's true or not. But um, Pandora was an internet radio service for the longest time. That's really good for discovery. If you, if you have it play a song you like, it'll find other related songs. And they just opened up their Pandora premium service. So now they have a subscription service. Um, uh, we had a lot of listeners write in and say they like it for discovery. Only, I think one listener wrote and said they'd sign up for the premium account. And I think it's too early to, to kind of rate that. And then we had some outliers. Um, um, we had a listener write in about a service QOBUZ, which is 24 bit high res audio. So it's super high res, um, streaming. Uh, I honestly, I think it's because I played in so many bands growing up. My ears aren't that great in terms of distinguishing the super high bit rate to just normal good bit rate stuff. So it, it it's lost on me. But I know there are people that can do it. Uh, listener John wrote in. He says, uh, check out jazzradio.com. I guess maybe he was writing to me. I don't know. It's a website. It's a radio, basically a radio. It's a radio station, internet radio station, and it's very good on jazz. But so I said, okay, I'll try it. And I went in, and the first thing it says is, you don't have Adobe Acrobat installed. <laughs> and then and I closed the window. Adobe, and, Adobe Flash, you mean? I'm saying Adobe Flash, yeah. <laughs> I closed the window, and that was the end of that. Um, uh, music teacher David wrote in, and I thought he had a very interesting post. He uses Spotify because students can sign up for free accounts, and then he can share music with his students, which I thought was great. He made a good uh, observation that YouTube has a lot of great live performances where um, you can watch people play music that you like, and that's kind of fun. Uh, I'll just say, if you ever want to have, if you like jazz music, watch the Buddy Rich Live version of Channel One Suite. It's it's uh, life changing. And then he uses SoundCloud. A lot of people who create music use SoundCloud. In fact, Irene, my favorite post on, on all of the Facebook was Irene, who says she uses SoundCloud because she spends most of her t- her music time singing. And I'm like, that's that's it, Irene. You beat us all. I want to thank SaneBox for sponsoring Mac Power users. Go to SaneBox.com slash MPU to receive your $25 credit and start your free trial now. Listen, I was skeptical about SaneBox. I get it. I understand you don't want to subscribe to yet another service that you don't think you need SaneBox because you're a power user. You know how to create all of these filters. You can do these things yourself. And that there are other email providers and things like that that may let you kind of move your email around and do those things. I was skeptical too. Let me tell you, two days, two days of using SaneBox was all it took for me to decide that this was the indispensable utility for me to use with my mail. And I immediately signed up and subscribed for a two-year plan. SaneBox is different from all of the email services you have tried. It learns what email is important to you. It filters out what doesn't. It has saved me hours of my life. It works with all different email programs, all different kinds of services. You don't have to have a special app. You don't have to use a special email program. You don't have to worry about an app stop being developed and go away. SaneBox works with everything. It is great at filtering your email into different folders. You keep what only matters in your inbox. 
and you can unsubscribe from all those nasty emails with just one click. If you don't have time for an email right now, fine, snooze it till later. I've got emails that I snooze until the weekend, emails that I snooze until the next business day, emails that I snooze until I'm back from vacation, emails that I snooze for later. I also never have to worry about forgetting to follow up on an email because I just copy SaneBox. I send an email off to David. I wonder, huh, if I don't hear back from him in a week, I really need to follow up on that. I copy one week at SaneBox.com. And if David hasn't replied to me in one week, SaneBox will remind me to follow up. You have to try it. Start your two-week trial now at SaneBox.com slash MPU. And when you sign up, and you will, you get a $25 credit towards any plan. Thanks, SaneBox, for your support of MacPower users. So you have workflows for everything, David. I, I was not aware that one could have workflows for music streaming. I thought it was just kind of the thing where you opened up the app and hit the play button. That kind of is the extent of my workflows for music. But please enlighten us. Well, this is a workflow is a very liberal term here, Katie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, apparently you have uh, a workflow for everything. Well, in, in past years, I used to talk about how I would use a smart playlist in iTunes. And I got very good at making these smart playlists. And I had smart playlists that would access other smart playlists. And it all uh, related to my rating of music. I would rate music and the number of stars would get it on certain lists. Like if I had five stars, I have a playlist that just looks at five star music. And, and if it's four stars, but it's cool jazz that goes into a different list. And you know, the whole thing is like managing your storage on your mobile devices and music can be uh, very much a portable asset, something you can dump and read download very easily if you manage it properly. And for the streaming services, I, my opinion is, and let, write in, let me know if you think I'm getting this wrong. But in my opinion, uh, one of the most powerful features available with these streaming services is the ability to create playlists and their online, you know, streaming uh, web-based playlists. So the playlists go across all your devices. Uh, I talked about earlier how I'll make a playlist on my Mac and then I'll open up Apple Music and the Sonos app, an entirely different application, but it'll still see the playlist I just created. And so you manage those playlists, then you can go in the application and say, download all the music in this playlist. So uh, if I'm if my phone is running out of space, I will be merciless about going and deleting a bunch of music because I can always recapture what I need. Um, and then if I'm going to get on an airplane in the next week, I will go in Apple Music and I will take a look at my various Apple Music playlists to see what what the status of them are. I mean, some of them maybe I don't have a certain playlist that I really want to listen to on the airplane downloaded, so I'll make sure to make a point of downloading it. Or maybe like I, I looked recently and I had all of my Christmas uh, music playlists. Um, and those grew, you know, everything in my life in terms of music has grown exponentially since I've got access to Apple music. So suddenly my Christmas playlist is quite a bit of music. So uh, I realized I had downloaded a bunch of it during the holidays and it was still there. So I went in and got rid of it. So uh, the workflow that I have is get serious about your playlists. And one of the things I did was I took all those fancy playlists I made with, with, uh, with smart playlists and iTunes. And I just, basically copied them into Apple music playlists. I, you know, I just recreated them and transferred over and, and that was a big help. And, uh, one of the things I like about Apple music and, and also is the idea that they have, um, it's, it's binary. Now there's no longer five stars. You either heart a song or you like a song or you don't like it. And I think that's probably easier. Uh, you know, in, in hindsight, I think that's probably the right metric of this stuff. 
But then you can start creating playlists around the stuff that you like versus, you know, stuff that you haven't liked. Um, but it all comes down to the playlist. And once you get those set up, uh, you can go and like, if you have an, an iPad, you can say, well, I just want to put the jazz on the iPad. So you download the, the jazz playlist. And that's my workflow. Make sense? Yeah. Are you doing any of that stuff anymore? Or are you just, are you, are you, you have hand created playlists on iTunes? Is that what you're still doing? Well, that's really my only option is to have hand created playlists on iTunes. I don't, I mean, I have, I have fairly sophisticated playlists like you. I, I'm still kind of at the stage where I have playlists that reference other playlists based on stars and last played and, and those types of things. And when did I download it? Is it new or is it not? So I, I have a lot of smart playlists and those types of things, but I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I can do at this point. Back when I used to manage music in my iTunes library, I had a, a playlist I called unplayed gems. It's stuff that I had rated, I think like four stars or better. And I hadn't hadn't played them in the last three months so i would always i'd play that playlist all the time to get music that i liked that hadn't heard recently and i have not missed that i don't use that anymore because there's so much new music i'm bringing in my life that it's all stuff you haven't heard yeah a lot of it isn't you know so so it simplified it really simplified it i guess that's another advantage of me going to streaming is it, it kind of simplified the music management for me but i am very aggressive about forming playlists and as, as i'm exploring through music um like i was talking about the hawaiian uh, voyage i went on the other day when i got that one playlist and started going through it um you know hit the button put the stuff into apple music playlists as you find the stuff you like and if you see someone you really like and you hear the first couple songs in their album and you really like them go ahead and add the whole album and then you can go through later and take it out if it's something you don't like but but uh, it's it's just really fun one of the things that i was really looking forward to and i'll say that i've been fairly disappointed in with the Apple Watch is um, using it as a remote control for music, particularly in the car. Um, and I have found that to be sorely lacking. You know, I'll I'll lift up, you know, because when you're in the car, the last thing you want to do is fiddle with your phone. You don't want to take your eyes off the road. You don't want to do any of that. But if you, you know, if, if you're in the mood for, you know, some Billy Joel and, I, you know, it'd be nice to be able to lift up the Apple Watch and say, you know, hello, lady, um, play music by Billy Joel. And I have found so many times, so much more often than not, that um, the Apple Watch will hear me, it will recognize it, and then I will either get a Siri unavailable or connection to the internet unavailable or, what you know, whatever it says, or it will hear it, it will recognize it, it will, you know, I will see the words on the screen that says play music by Billy Joel and then it will do something completely different. I'll get I'll get Bon Jovi music or or something else, and I just don't know what the disconnect there is. And I didn't know if you had had the same experience or if it's a Series One, Series Two problem, or you know, because I still have the old. Uh, well, I have the Series Zero watch. I have the original Apple Watch. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but it is extremely frustrating. I wonder if that is not so much the Series of Watch versus Apple Music versus locally managed music problem. Because I, I don't really have that issue. I mean, my, but I don't talk to the watch to do that. My, um, the way I drive is I usually keep the phone in the, the cup holder to my right. You know, I don't really even have the phone where I can see it, but I can just reach down and hold the button of the phone to activate Siri. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And the phone's connected Bluetooth to my car. So, if I just do that, then the car speaker says, you know, beep, beep, and then I can give it the the instruction, and then it just plays whatever I ask it to play. It's very reliable. So I don't know. Maybe I'll try it the next time I'm on the phone with the watch and see if that 
if there's a if that's the hang up. But going directly to the phone works. The next time you're driving down the road, just put your phone in your glove box or whatever and reach down and hold the button and then say what you want to play and see what happens. Uh, yeah, I've, I've tried that. It, it is more reliable on the phone, but not always. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, frustrations. Well, let's move past music to podcasts because that's another audio media management issue for people. And we know that it's something that everybody who's listening to the show deals with. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one thing everybody's dealing with. Um, I uh, I went... I was originally a big Apple podcast fan and it was the same thing. They have Siri integration. I could say, you know, play next episode of Mac power users and while I'm driving down the road and it would, and that still is the only app that will do it is the Apple podcast app. Um, It's much maligned by people. I mean, the original versions of it, they, they had some really strange and curious user interface design ideas that, that didn't seem very Apple-y. But over the years, the app has simplified a great deal. And uh, I just like recently, my sister wanted to listen to a podcast. She's never listened to a podcast before. And strangely, it wasn't mine that she wanted to listen to, but uh, uh, she was with me. So I, I opened up the podcast app. I subscribed her to it and she's fine. She can use that application. And I feel like because it's a built-in app, I don't have to teach her anything. It's it's just kind of there. It's the lowest common denominator, but it's it's a pretty good and stable application at this point. I mean, would you recommend people against using the Apple Podcast app? No, I wouldn't. In fact, I've set several people up who are just getting started with podcasts with the Apple Podcast app. It's there. It's reliable. It's good enough. You know, you know, you're going to be able to find what you need there. And it's it's the Apple supported solution. And especially for a lot of novice podcast users, they like it because it syncs with iTunes. And a lot of people are still managing, not me, but a lot of people are still managing podcasts through iTunes. Yeah. Um, and that Siri, the, the one feature they have that nobody else has is Siri support. And I hope that's a short lived advantage. You know, we talked about it already in the show, but I feel like it's time for Apple to open up audio controls and uh, music and podcast playback to Siri for anybody that wants to use it. Okay. Um, but there are third party applications you can buy as well. Um, I, uh, it took me a while. Like I said, I was using the Apple podcast app myself for a while because of the Siri integration, but everybody was talking about Marco's app. It's called overcast and it's the, uh, uh, podcast player developed by Marco Arment, the same guy who did Instapaper. He's another host here on the Relay Network and just a super, he's a friend and a super smart guy. So once I started using Overcast, I quickly got hooked on it. Um, uh, are, is that your app now these days, Katie? I've been using Overcast since day one, since it was released, partly just because I wanted to support Marco. Um, and then as soon as I started using it, it became my go-to podcast app it's it's just a brilliantly designed app it's it's got a great user interface um there there are a couple areas where it falls down and and i wish it had support for other things but um the the big things it does um it it has changed the way that i listen to podcasts and saved me literally hundreds of hours um i i listen you know as, as we talked about earlier in the show music is not a huge part of my life podcasts are a tremendous part of my life i probably spend if you look at the the entertainment, if that's what we want to call it, that I consume in any given week, whether it's music, whether it's TV, whether it's movies, whether it's podcasts um, or, or books or audiobooks, um, podcasts by far, I spend more hours of any given week listening to podcasts than I do any other source of, of entertainment. And so it's, it's a huge part of my life. And um, 
I can listen to more podcasts and get more content in with Overcast than I can any other podcast player. And and what I like about it is um, specifically what Marco has is he developed a technology that he calls Smart Speed. And what Smart Speed does is it reduces silences in podcasts. So we all have a natural cadence to the way that we speak. And Smart Speed listens for gaps and silences in audio, and it reduces those gaps, but it does so intelligently. Now, initially, you're going to think that this sounds crazy, but it reduces those gaps intelligently, number one, so that the audio doesn't sound distorted, but also so that if I pause for effect right there, it's going to, you're still going to get a longer pause there than you would. It, It doesn't reduce all of the silences and it doesn't reduce all of the gaps. And if you go into the overcast um, preferences, it will show you at the bottom how much time smart speed has saved you. Now I've been using overcast since it was originally launched and it's been a couple of years now, but smart speed has saved me 200 hours as of the time that we're recording this podcast, just smart speed alone. That doesn't include, you know, the fact that I listen to most of my podcasts at about two X speed, but you know, 200 hours, that's significant. Yeah. That's a lot of time. The, um, there's a lot of other stuff you can do with uh, with Overcast. It, I, but the thing I like about it is Marco, you know, I talked earlier about obsessive design with Spotify. Marco is another one of those guys. And, you know, when, if you talk to him or if you read anything he writes about, you know, button placement and all just the little fine things in this application that he worries about, that he wants users to have the best possible experience, I just don't know if there's another app that has got somebody sweating the little details the way he does. And that's why, to me, this is the, once I started using it, and I, I got into about probably four or five months after he released it, I uh, I haven't really looked back. It's just great. Yeah, I'm willing to give up the Siri integration because the app is so good. Um, the uh, Another thing they have is chapter support. Um, you know, they added, we added chapters to Mac Power users because so many of our subscribers use Overcast. And they wanted chapters. I mean, that that's something that this app affected us on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons that we we did it. One of the um, other big things that I use for Overcast is is for file upload. Um, you can upload if you're a premium subscriber. You can upload any non DRM file to Overcast and and listen to it, and then have all of the advantages that Overcast has. And I use this for listening to other audio content that I have. You know, as attorneys, we have a lot of continuing legal education content that we have to listen to that I typically get as audio files, which means I can speed those up a little bit. Yeah, that's always good. And also just gets it in my queue. Yeah, it's like in one place, which is nice. And in addition to the smart speed, they have variable speed control. So you can turn the speed up generally as well. And a lot of apps do this to varying degrees of success, but I think Overcast is one of the best at this in terms of speeding everything up. I mean, people tell me that they listen to me, it sounds like I'm drunk, and maybe that's true. I don't know. But the uh, turning the speed up on our show, maybe it goes a little faster. That's okay. I don't mind, as long as you're listening. Yeah, I uh, some podcasters are, are I, I don't want to say funny, but um, have strong feelings about this. They, they think that the podcast that they created should be listened to the way that they create it. I personally don't care. Feel free to speed me up. I think about what I have to say. Sometimes it takes a little while. We know. <laughs> Man, that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it doesn't give you serious support. Uh, the watch app is actually pretty good with, it, I think, um, uh, you know, but yeah, 
you know, watch apps and audio controls are always kind of a crapshoot. The way you access it, you know, you hit the little button above the, the what do you, I forgot the the, the uh, terminology here. What is it? The, the crown, digital crown. So you've got the digital crown, you press the button above the digital crown. And then uh, the uh, the Overcast app comes. It just got updated to uh, improve the watch app. I think it's okay. I actually use the watch app with Overcast because when I take my walks is one of the times I listen to podcasts. And sometimes I need to pause it or whatever. I can just access the controls with the watch. Yeah, the, the watch app is, is good. It's definitely got some some issues. I know Marco spent a long time working on the on the watch app. But, you know, it, it's... Um, there, there's still a long way to go, and I know a lot of that is is Apple's limitations to it. Um, it doesn't have support for video podcasts, which is kind of a pain, and doesn't have any support for, um, you know, podcasts that are behind paywalls or, or password protected. So, so you can, it's free uh, with ads. Uh, they have premium options. If you haven't tried Overcast, download it and give it a shot. See what you think. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Casper, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off with the coupon code MPU, and they now ship to the UK as well as the US and Canada. Casper is a company that focuses on sleep. They make the perfect premium mattress and sell it online for a fraction of what it would cost to be in a store. Their award-winning mattress was developed in-house, has a sleek design, and is delivered in an impossibly small box. In addition to the mattress, Casper now also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. I know this because I sleep on a Casper mattress every night. We tried a memory foam mattress before Casper, and it just didn't work for us. It was too hot and uncomfortable. But Casper is different. It was designed by an in-house team of engineers that spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress out of their San Francisco research and development office. It uses a proprietary foam that relieves pressure and increases airflow. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. So it's no surprise that they have an average of 4.8 out of 5 stars across more than 30,000 online reviews. The trick of Casper is combining that proprietary foam with a springy comfort layer to contour your body and keep you cool. This means Casper mattresses have just the right sink and just the right bounce. They make quality mattresses at great prices, and they are designed and developed here in America. They have cut the hassle and cost out of dealing with showrooms and are passing those savings directly to you. Every time I take a trip and lay in an uncomfortable hotel bed, I can hardly wait to get back home and get into my comfy Casper. Buying a Casper mattress is so easy and it's completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and free returns to the United States and Canada and now the United Kingdom too. The mattress comes compressed in a box. You just take the box to the room where your bed is, open the box, and watch the magic happen. Another big advantage of Casper is that you actually get to sleep on their mattress before you make your decision. They give you a 100-night trial period where you can lay on it, sleep on it, see how it works for you. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. So make your next mattress a Casper mattress and save $50 on your next purchase by visiting casper.com MPU and using the code MPU at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. So in addition to the Apple Podcast app and Overcast, there's also a few others, I think, that uh, get honorable mention here. 
The first one is Downcast. Yeah. In fact, Downcast was my go-to podcast before Overcast. Um, in fact, I hadn't used the Apple Podcast app for a while because I loved and still use Downcast for different things. Um, I really like Downcast because of, of a few features that really make Downcast shine. First, it has a Mac, iOS, and Apple Watch version. And I really liked the fact that it had a Mac version because although I probably listened to 90 plus percent of my podcasts on iOS, it was really nice if I wanted just to sync it up to the Mac and, and listen to a show while I was at the office or just sitting up at my desk that I could I could do that from my Mac and everything would sync up. And, and that was really nice to have the Mac client. Yeah, Overcast doesn't have a Mac client, but it does have a browser component. So if you go to, I think it's, it has a web component. Yeah, yeah. If you go to overcast.fm, I believe it is, and you log in, you can listen to your your shows through a browser tab, which is better than having to go to the website for the shows. But it's not a native app. Yeah. the um, The other thing that Downcast does, which was important but kind of less important now, is um, I used to subscribe, and I still subscribe to a few video podcasts. And Downcast had support for video podcasts, which Overcast does not. Um, Downcast also had support for password-protected podcasts. So the big one that I used this for um, was Don McAllister's Screencast Online podcast. Um, so some people, you know, and this is what Don does, is Don gives away, I think, one podcast a month for free. But then he does three others a month that uh, are, are one a week that will um, that will be, um, you know, pay and you subscribe to a special password protected feed, and that's how you get access to it. Um, and so that's not available in other ones. Um, the other place where where Downcast really shined is you could create smart playlists, and so you could really spend a lot of time creating custom curated playlists in in Downcast to to suit your needs. And this was something that I spent a lot of time doing. I would I would have playlists related to tech, playlists related to Apple, playlists you know related to lifestyle things, playlists related to politics, and and all of those types of things. And I would I would listen to those in Downcast and have separate playlists depending on what I was what I was in the mood for. And then because you could really get in there and and tweak the settings, um, they had iCloud sync. So you could sync your settings to all the devices. So once you got the settings just right, um, you know, you, you just knew that they could be on all your devices. You wouldn't have to go back and fiddle with them again. Yeah. And, and even on your Mac, I mean, it would, it would go across all devices. Yeah. So Downcast is uh, two ninety nine. It's available. Uh, the iOS version is two ninety nine, but it's available on uh, multiple devices as well. Um, another great podcast client that's definitely worth mentioning is Castro. Castro is available for three ninety nine. Um, where Castro really shines, and they have made some um, major updates recently, is Castro has really taken a different approach to playlist and queue management. So if you subscribe to a lot of podcasts. And sometimes you don't know what to listen to. Here's a hint. MPU is always at the top. Always. Um, it can triage your podcasts for you. So um, for, if you're someone like me and you download a lot of podcasts, you have a lot of podcasts coming in, um, it has an inbox for your newly published podcasts. And, you know, if you hear about something that you want to listen to, but you're not quite sure you want to commit to subscribing, you can easily add a podcast to listen to it, but yet not commit, not subscribe to the podcast. Um, and it allows you to, you know, create playlists and do all of those things and figure out what do I want to listen to now, what do I want to listen to next, oh, I want to listen to this, then I want to listen to that, then I want to listen to that, um, which is really nice. You can quickly triage your podcast. Um, and it has a great interface for sharing podcasts. If They've got an iMessage app, so you can share your recently played podcasts. Um, and, and that is where I think, I mean, Castro, of course, has, has all the other features that major podcasts app have, but um, that is, I think, probably their landmark feature is, is the way that they do their playlist and queue management. What I like about Castro is it's opinionated. If you look at the design, 
you know, it's just different than any other app you've seen. And it either clicks with you or it doesn't, but it, it certainly deserves at least looking at. Um, what about podcasts on the iPad? Um, I y- watch video podcasts on the iPad. Um, I know a lot of people when the big iPad came out because it had so much better speakers were using that kind of a portable speaker setup for iPad. I I have Overcast set up on my iPad. I've got that set up though for streaming only. I I don't typically store podcasts on the iPad. Yeah, I um I listen to podcasts all the time on Overcast on the iPad because even when I'm sitting at my Mac, the iPad is always nearby and it does have pretty nice speakers. So if I'm alone and I don't care about making noise, I uh, I just load up an Overcast and listen to the built-in speakers. It's it's just a nice experience. It's not there's nothing special about it. It's you know the Overcast scales nicely to the iPad and it keeps track of where I'm at and wherever I left off on the phone and I can continue on the iPad. Yeah, I primarily use down. I do, I do have Overcast on the iPad for streaming for that, but I primarily use Downcast on the iPad for managing my video podcast for video stuff. Yeah. Um, let's talk briefly, because I know we're, we're getting close to the witching hour, um, about how we're playing audio these days, you know, actually speakers and those types of things. Um, one of the major places where I play audio is in the car. And I know my car is probably a little older than you. I have a, a 2003 that has a tape deck and a CD player, um, no aux port. And that was really a challenge, um, you know, to get to get that set up. I certainly didn't want to use one of those FM transmitters. Um, you know, what I ultimately ended up doing is I went to a, an audio specialist, you know, and they were able to special order a custom adapter for my particular car model that got installed behind the dash um, that basically disabled the... Um, you know, it got plugged in in place of the, um, I think it got plugged in place of the uh, CD changer that would have gone in the trunk, but I didn't have one. And it was a Bluetooth module. So there are a lot of custom solutions out there, but you may have to go to a custom provider to get them if you have an older car. Yeah, my older car had a cassette tape and I had a cassette with it, a cord sticking out of it. Yeah, that's what it, that's what I did for a while. Yeah, yeah, and um, that was fine. The um, my I bought a new car uh, three or four years ago. It's a Ford, and it's uh, got the Microsoft Sync system in it. You know, I have a car with Microsoft in it, Katie. It's got a little badge that says Microsoft in my car. I look at it every day and just frown. Good luck with that. Hopefully, it won't kill you. I got the blue screen of death in it one day when I was driving down the road. The the system crashed, the sync system crashed, and it was the BSOD. I, I didn't know that was even possible in my car. I hope you pulled over and took a picture. I wanted to take a picture so bad, but I was driving, and then it rebooted, and it went away. I've never seen it since, but just someday I'm going to get a picture of that. But the problem with the sync system is it's integrated to the whole car. There's no... But I bought the car two or three years before Apple had their, um, you know, their their car system, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So, but it's Bluetooth, and it seems like every Bluetooth system is kind of wonky and works sometimes and doesn't work other times. My car is generally pretty reliable, but but I don't think there's anybody that's super happy. I have a friend that owns a Tesla. He's got this fancy car that costs like five times as much as my car, and he has trouble keeping his iPhone connected. So. I don't know that there's necessarily an easy answer dealing with wireless in the car, but I did reach out on the Facebook group because I, I went to a, a dealership for the, the local Honda dealership and just sat in the car 
and pretended like I was interested in their car because I wanted to give feedback to the Mac Power users on CarPlay. So I um I went in there, gang, and I wasted somebody's time for you. So I hope the the I hope whoever uh, I hope Mike doesn't mind. <laughs> Mike at the Honda dealership, but uh, so I went in and played with it. It's really nice. I I think that overall the design of the user interface is pretty cool with CarPlay. Uh, I don't know necessarily that it's going to keep a connection to my phone any better than any other Bluetooth system, but I really like the idea of the apps appearing on the dashboard as opposed to the phone. Um, and I reached out on Facebook group and said, hey, anybody using this thing day to day, because I haven't lived with it, what's your opinion? And go and, and look at the Facebook group if you want, but it is like overall very warm reception for uh, Mac Power users listeners that have um, CarPlay. Uh, we heard from people whose wives have it, and now they're jealous, and they want to switch cars with their wives. Um, you know, <laughs> we've heard from people who went and got a, um, you know, you can get a, a system, an aftermarket um, CarPlay system, and install it in your car. I don't think it would work for me because, like I said, I have that sync system, and it's it's attached to the air conditioning and everything else. I don't, I just don't think, I think I'm stuck with this car for the next 10 years or so, so I'm not sure I'm going to do anything about it, but but if you have an older car, that may be a solution is put a fancy CarPlay system in and then you're ro- you're rocking it. But uh, overall, I just felt like I was really impressed by uh, how many people use it and love it. So that's a good sign. Uh, let's t- switch over to the home, though, for a minute. Uh, uh, since we talked about this the last time, I think it's got a lot easier to play music in your home wirelessly. Yeah, I'm still um, using fairly traditional, again, Katie's using fairly traditional methods of this. Um, I'm using portable Bluetooth speakers um, for, you know, just kind of putting here and there. I'm, I've got several, I've, I've got the Echo in the kitchen, which is honestly the, the speaker that I use more than I use anywhere else. Um, and I've got a couple of airport connected, just traditional speakers that um, I, I may at some point swap those over to... Um, to Amazon Echoes because you know that those just basically become Bluetooth speakers as well. Um, but that's that's pretty much what what I'm doing now. I keep looking at the Sonos systems, which I know you have, and I'm going to give you less than five minutes to talk about because I know you could do an entire show on Sonos. I'm going to put you on a clock, but um, I just keep holding off on Sonos. Because I keep thinking that one of these days, Apple, who happens to own a, a company that makes speakers, is is going to come up with a with a you know Sonos type solution of their own with integrated series. So I keep waiting. Yeah, and in that case, I'll be like the Spotify people. You know, <laughs> I really love the old thing. Um, well, just on the the idea of Bluetooth speakers, in the last couple of years, there has been this explosion of excellent Bluetooth speakers made by people that are super uh, inexpensive. I mean, you can get into these things relatively cheaply now and have a really nice speaker in your house that works wirelessly. And I think it's a good idea, even if you don't want to go the full Sonos route, to have at least one of these, just to put, like, if you have people over and you want to put it in the backyard or whatever, you want to put music in the bathroom while you're cleaning the shower or whatever. Uh, it's, it's really nice. It doesn't cost that much money to get into them and they work really well. So, uh, I, I think that's the, you know, the way forward, uh, it, when it used to be, you always wanted to get a speaker with a 30 pin connector built into it. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was a thing for a long time. If you'd go to the store, there was tons of speakers that you could just put your iPod on and, and play the music. And, 
And that was a pretty awesome thing if you compared it to the old system where you'd had this big receiver and all these wires. I mean, it was a, a definitely an improvement, but now the better improvement is wireless and it works good and you can get, for a hundred bucks, you can get a pretty impressive little speaker that you can move around your house wirelessly. What, so I, I think that's something to, to definitely look into if you haven't done it yet. Uh, you could even have multiples of these things. Some of them sync together better than others. Uh, so take a look at it. I haven't obviously used all these different brands. Every, it seems like every week I get another press release from another company that's got some Bluetooth speaker solution. So, um, you know, try it out, you know, buyer beware, research it before you spend a bunch of money on these things. Uh, I will talk about Sonos for a few minutes. It's, it is the revenge of the Mac power users listeners. Uh, everybody always tells me how I talk about something and they spend a bunch of money on it. And then for years, I was getting emails from listeners telling me I have to try Sonos and I put it off because they are expensive. And then I got into it. And then over the course of years, I kind of built out the Sonos system in our house, you know, one component at a time. So it didn't hurt so much, but now that it's all built, I love it. Uh, uh, I can play music all throughout the house. It is a wireless speaker system. It's, it's more than just a Bluetooth speaker in the sense that all the speakers talk to each other and sync with each other, which is really useful. And the uh, the other thing that's nice is that it has an app that is really smart and like I can access my Apple Music in it and play any of my playlists through it. And uh, I can even put a music on as I'm walking up the driveway. As soon as I connect to my Wi-Fi network, sometimes I will just put on Star Wars as I walk in the front door so my family knows that I am home. And that's all stuff I do with Sonos. And it just seems to be getting better. They've got some automation stuff coming down the pipeline, If you, according to some of their press releases. And the president's talking about how interested he is in all this automation stuff going on. So I expect that we're going to be hearing more about Sonos in the near future. If Apple, um, one of my pipe dreams is if Apple opens up the audio controls to Siri, that I'll be able to control uh, Sonos via Siri as well, which would be really nice. Was I under five minutes? You were way under five minutes. I'm just sitting here stunned. Well, I, I can only do it short or I can do it really long. <laughs> you know? Okay. It's it's a nice system. Yeah. It's a nice system. Uh, yeah. And like I said, I keep I keep looking at it very curiously and very interestedly, but um, I keep holding on. Well, you know, it. I'm not sure it's right for you. Um, you don't, I mean, you're not super into music. I'm not. And listening to podcasts on a much less expensive Bluetooth speaker or an Echo is just fine it is it is so all right david well i said there was no way we could do an entire show on media management and yet here we are at the end of an entire show on media management so you've done it oh, there, there was so much new stuff on um on streaming services i knew it i mean we i i think we had enough material to do the whole show on just the streaming services but we got the most important information out there uh let us know i mean go to go into the facebook add on to the 160 plus messages here and and let people know what you think or send us a note or whatever and um, and see what you think. But I, I feel like that we've had a real kind of unlocking of of music and people who like music can discover more than they ever have before. And with these great mobile devices that fit in your pocket, you can have it with you anywhere. Uh, we have come so far from where we were just a few years ago with this stuff. All right. Well, drop us a note in the Facebook group. Send us a tweet. Drop us an email. All ways that you can check in with us because we're going to have another MPU Plus show coming up soon. In the meantime, we do say thank you to our sponsors, Smile, Pixelmator, SaneBox, Casper, and of course, all of you who are Relay FM subscribers. Thank you for continuing to support us and support the show. 
and we will see you all next time. 